Kessler here from Grunthal. Paul Kingsley with the 30-second board to five. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallup. Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, Guts Racing, 204 Skate Shop, and Throttle Syndicate make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Fox Racing Canada, as well as Phoenix Handlebars and Guts Racing. Andy Gregg over at Guts Racing is an amazing guy, supports the Big MX Radio Podcast. Support him back by going to GutsRacing.com and getting yourself a brand new seat. Tip to tail, they just won the Vital MX Seat of the Year, as well as Seat Cover of the Year. Uh, so... That survey is done by literally thousands of people, uh, so you, you rest assured you'll be in good hands with Guts Racing. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, uh, a gentleman who has dedicated his life to uh, celebrating racing of all kinds and uh, has now turned his attention to World Supercross, which uh, is getting going in just a couple of weeks' time. Rick Ware, welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast. Brad Great to be here. Happy to be on and uh, look forward to talking to you guys. Hey, it's already a pleasure to have you on, sir. Thank you for making some time for us today. Rick Ware Racing uh, throws its hat in the ring for uh, this brand new World Supercross series that looks to take the, the exciting world of Supercross around the globe, uh, starting with two rounds in uh, in 2022 and then expanding it from there. Uh, my first question for you, sir, is what was so exciting about the sport of motocross, sport of supercross, and so tantalizing that uh, you wanted to, to jump in with both feet and have a team in the inaugural season? Well, um, you know, several things. You know, first off, uh, you know, our, our core uh, program is obviously four, you know, four wheels. But, you know, I grew up uh, born in California, you know, started BMX racing, you know, uh, late, mid-70s, uh, started racing motocross in Texas uh, in the 80s. And at, at that time, I would say, you know, Southern California and Texas were probably probably the two bigger states at the, at the time, you know, as far as um, the depth of the quality of riders, uh, more so before Florida got to be more popular. So we were, you know, we were racing, uh, you know, maybe date myself now, you know, Rio Bravo, Rio Grande, and uh, Lake Whitney, and Austin, and you know, got to race in the Astrodome and the Superdome. Love, love, love racing motorcycles. Um, uh, uh, you know, the people that know know that they're the best athletes in the world. The people that don't quite understand, don't quite figure it out, but, but bar, bar none, you know, those guys are just, they're, they're just amazing. Um, so I just have a huge respect, you know, having gotten, gotten to uh, the very low levels of, of professional motocross and, and was never good enough to, to make a living doing it, but uh, good enough to have the respect of what it takes. Um, always loved it. Um, just from a necessity 
as I got older, I had, had opportunity to get into four wheels as I got a little bit older and realized um, I was never going to uh, make a living getting paid to ride a motorcycle, unfortunately. Um, but We have that in common. Love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always had a love for it. Um, you know, the uh, uh, got to be around a lot of really cool motocross guys in the day. And I think in 88, uh, 87, 88, I think I was one of the first um, – Oakley race drivers to get, you know, to get paid by Oakley and to wear their products and stuff. And during that time frame, I think Mike Bell was overseeing uh, Oakley then, but that was in the heyday with, uh, you know, Jeff Ward there when he was in Irvine and California and places. And they got this, you know, to go there and meet these guys that are just like heroes of mine. Um, always loved it. So, you know, fast forward, you know, we, we got into racing, um, uh, in road racing, a different series. And, and then in NASCAR, um, I had a career ending injury in 2000 took me out of driving and kind of uh, morphed into becoming an owner, um, you know, so I didn't have to get a real job, right? And so I, I don't think anybody really uh, plans or dreams to be an owner, either in motorcycles or in cars, because, you know, the, the, the cool and fun factors, the riding and the driving, but that's kind of where it, it you know, uh, grew into. Um, but I always was, or felt, or at least I felt I was pretty good at marketing, and um, I was always looking at things outside the box. And at, at the time, uh, in the mid, mid 2000s, um, got hooked up with a mortgage company that also was a, a major investor. And in, uh, uh, back then, it was Bad Boy Power Drink, which was a, you know a shoot off of Ricky Johnson's Bad Boy Club, you know, back in the day. Right. And so, so we took we, we you know um, uh, they entrusted me to do their basically their nationwide uh, program. We got in with um, you know Circle Caves and several places, but we took them uh, in NASCAR, took them in um, uh, Supercross, Arena Cross, uh, and, and did a bunch of different stuff. And you know, again, just loving motorcycles, um, always look for a way to get back in to do it to have it be part of the program. Yeah, it's a little bit different business model uh, than than uh, car racing, so it was always tough to do. Uh, we we were able to kind of break into it, did it two years full time in 2007 and 2008, uh, both in uh, Supercross and one full year uh, in outdoor, and um, never really had a chance to really make it work from a business standpoint. Um, you know, and racing is all I've, all I've ever done. So, you know, it's, you know, racing can be expensive in any level from motorcycles to indie cars to whatever. So I always had to be careful that things make uh, business sense and nothing really had worked. Uh, when this came about, um, uh, Ralph Shaheen, a good friend of mine, he's just down the road here in North Carolina. You know, he's been a, a broadcaster, I think, with, with uh, Ricky and Jeff Emming for years. And, and we were at the Long Beach Grand Prix talking, and he knows I'm a just a hardcore racer. I mean, I, I, I just yeah, I love racing. I love to try to be competitive and build programs. And <laughs> I'd heard a little bit about this, you know, coming about. And he says, man, this deal's going to happen, and it's going to be a global scenario. And I had always thought, I was kind of surprised there never was a global or worldwide supercross. I mean, you have, you have, um, you know, world motocross, you know, in, uh, um, MXGP and MX2 and, and, the four fifties and, uh, you know, but you've never had, you know, supercross. So he said that, you know, it was going to be happening. Well, what caught my interest is that, uh, there were going to be 10 franchised, um, teams, uh, throughout the whole year, uh, excuse me, throughout the whole country. 
Um, and that perked my interest because we, we have something similar that came about in NASCAR several years ago. And uh, we have two uh, what we call charters, which are the same thing as a franchise or whatever in NASCAR. And it's a great tool to build around because the the model that we kept having problems with when I ran Supercross in 2007 and eight, I think we made every main event, all 20, but it took me six different riders to do it because riders kept getting hurt. Yep. They had to get through practice. Uh, there's 70 guys that are all amazing and you got to, you know, you got to about kill yourself to get in, to even get to the, to be to the gate of 20 people, right? Cause you only get 20 as opposed to 40 on the outdoor. So, uh, it was, it is, and it's a great show, but it's hard to build a business around that because I remember going to, uh, um, uh, you know, renting out some boxes at San Francisco at, at a rain race, and we finished fourth, which was great. Um, but but we were close to almost not making. I'm thinking, man, how do you you know how do you I entertain somebody when they're they're, they're you know they're, we're not even in the show, so. If you look at Formula One, there's 10 teams. You look at MotoGP, there's 10 teams. Um, and, you know, you kind of build around it. So that really uh, perked my uh, interest. And I'm thinking, well, if I know for sure that we're in uh, the main event, then we now have a business model. So uh, at the time, I didn't know anything about the pay structure, but at least I know that would be the first step. And when you have that step, you now can start putting together a sponsorship. It's hard to sell sponsorship to a company nowadays if you imagine if you're trying to sell the Super Bowl and say, I'm going to cut you a deal for a 30-second ad, well, that sounds great. Well, the kicker is there's a bunch of variables. You may not get your ad on TV, but I still need you to pay me. It's just not going to happen. You know, you have to be able to deliver. Completely so, agree. Uh, so it, um, it it made a lot of sense. And so, um, you know, my wife initially was like, you know, we need another series like we need a hole in our head. But – I said, man, this is a this is a unique opportunity, uh, and we we tried and had been successful getting outside of the United States. Uh, we won the European, we won the Asia Le Mans Championship in 2020, which got us a seat at Le Mans, which we missed because of COVID. But I wanted to try to start to grow my brand, RWR, just from the standpoint of being unique and to try to uh, expand the potential for sponsors. Because uh, you know, without the sponsorship, it's just it just doesn't work. Um, so you know, I put in um, you know, give, put my best foot forward in, and you know, they talked to a lot of really um, uh, a lot of teams and a lot of fantastic teams. Um, and, I, and I think, in all honesty and full disclosure, I think I was the beneficiary of the fact that some of maybe some of the super teams in the states were um, either politically kind of had their hands tied and couldn't really you know, partake of, of, of um, the Supercross globally. Um, uh, although we had a lot to offer just from our marketing side and the fact that we're involved in some of the things. So um, we were pretty confident, but I was really excited about um, finally getting chosen to do it. So um, I probably have maybe talked too much, but, but you got me going on a roll there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's your time, man. It, it's a, a pleasure to uh, um, be able to, to speak with someone who has so much experience in the sport, uh, not only in motocross, but just racing in general and, and the marketing of it. And marketing the sport of motocross is a very tricky thing. Like you said, you have riders that can get injured very easily um, as far as like, you're, like you basically have to go race pace in order to practice for this. Uh, there's a whole lot more that goes into it than even um, 
Like a, a race car driver doesn't uh, doesn't just pound laps after laps after laps, and then also a race car driver usually has a little bit more longevity as far as a career is concerned. And you you hit the nail on the head uh, when you're talking about uh, it's basically a role if you're sponsoring a guy who's a bit of a bubble guy to make it into the main event that would be like me asking for sponsorship on the podcast but also telling my my uh, potential sponsors that by the way when i hit uh, submit on this podcast to send it to itunes there's like a 50 50 shot that it actually doesn't end up getting posted so just so you guys know uh there's there's yeah. a good <laughs> no, no one might listen um and, and that that's a, a real hurdle uh and and to be able to know that you, you're going to have guys in the main event making noise and showing out for your brand is a really powerful thing no it's huge and it um you know we uh i'm trying to think back uh again my date may be wrong but i'm pretty sure it was 2008 uh ricky had just ricky carmichael had just retired right um we were going testing with mike gosler uh with mike alessi because we had hired jeff alessi so we were kind of tagging on um, you know, they built this mega facility and, and, and we're testing, put a lot of effort into to Jeff. And Jeff was, you know, uh, he had just won. Uh, we built some stuff for him and he won, uh, I want to say the Paris Supercross, but maybe it wasn't that. But he, he won one of the, the Imitational Supercrosses and he was really on a tear. And the second race of the year was Phoenix. And in a slow corner, um, he just had a layover and broke his, uh, I think it was his pinky on his right hand. And, like, he couldn't hold on. And, and he was out for the whole season. And I'm like, man, we have just invested and set up and built it kind of, you know, he was the, he was the centerpiece, right, of what we, we did. And, you know, in car racing, uh, Kurt Busch got a concussion at Pocono. And uh, Ty Gibbs, Joe Gibbs' grandkid, you know, filled in. I mean, yep. there, there are drivers that are capable um, of, of, you know, maybe he's not as good as Kurt Busch, but he can get the job done and maybe just as well. But at the 450 level, once the season starts, I'm telling you, there's, you know, you, you can't go grab 10 guys that can make the main event uh, because those guys are already riding, right? And it's not easy to do. And so you know, that was, you know, that's kind of a tough situation. Um, the, you know, the atmosphere is fantastic uh, in, in the pits, Um uh, but it, it's a little unique in that it, it's a lot of work for a short period of time. You got everybody's captive attention. As soon as the first gate drops for, uh, you know, uh, um, heat races at seven o'clock, it's like a ghost town. So it, it's, you know, there's always nuances of things that are really great about NASCAR, but, you know, uh, maybe the hospitality isn't uh, is user friendly. And then in drag racing, the hospitality is way more user friendly. And, and you know, motorcycle is a whole different dynamic and uh, not a completely different um, demographic, but it's, but it's, a, it's a unique demographic. Um, I think your, your typical motorcycle household in their 30s has like 4.4 vehicles because they have trucks and they have boats and they have trailers and they have side-by-sides. And so, you know, and those people consume a lot of products and a lot of cleaners and a lot of tires and oils. And so um, there's pluses and minus to all of this. Uh, but to if you think about who you would just take a, a wealthy person that wanted to go race to go, well, I'm going to go all over the world this year. We're going to two, only two events. But, you know, we're going to go to 11 or 12 countries next year. And that's no small feat, whether you're taking cars or you're taking skateboards, right? I mean, that, that, there's a lot going on. For sure. And you have to make sure that, that you have that. And 
um, you know, Adam and Steve and the guys that are heading this up, um, man, they are working so hard. The, the, the quality is there. Um, you know, th- this isn't a short term, you know, get rich. Hey, we're just going to go, you know, uh, we're going to set off the fireworks and watch the show and it's going to be something different. You know, there's a long-term play here. Um, uh, you know, there is a need to have this product in front of people. I mean, we, you know, you need to get back to places like Japan and you need to go to Germany. You need to go to, to France. And I mean, you know, it's, this is a unique show. And um, I'm hoping that I know there's a little bit of a rift going on, you know, politically. And um, uh, I know uh, world supercross is not conflicting with any of the U S supercross, which I think is very, very smart. Um, and makes good business sense. Uh, it does conflict with some of the outdoor, which is a problem because the core, you know, the, the core motorcycle world relies a lot on on that kind of grassroots scenario. However, I saw this when we went outdoor racing. Um, man, it is brutal on, on the body. But uh, my first year, my first year um, of outdoor, we did the, the Supercross and got through it. We we're like, well, we're going to try this and. I remember going to hang counting. Hang counting was the first race of the year, I think in eight or nine, I think roughly. But um, I had four guys out there. Not a single one of them got to the gate because they all got hurt before we ever had a chance. And yeah, it's like, man, it's, um, uh, it's hard to build a business around. Now the promoters are always going to have riders because there's 70 or 80 riders that are always there. The factories always going to have represented like what, eight, 10, 12, you know, people, right. but, um, to, to, to this grow, it, there needs to be a true business, um, uh, aspect to this and to do it kind of similar, you know, in F1, there's 10 teams and you got to have two, two bikes and there's 10 teams in MotoGP and you have to have two bikes. Now for us, there's 10 teams. We have to have two, two fifties and two four fifties. Um, that's the start of some really cool stuff. Um, I think there are going to be more uh, A-list guys that don't really want to do the outdoor that will that will probably start looking at this. And I know, you know, there's been some talk I think about shortening the outdoor and stuff. But um, uh, you know, the United States is, you know, to me, it's the greatest country in the world, right? We were born here and we love it. But there's a whole lot of other stuff going on in the world, and there's lots of people. And if you're a manufacturer and you're a, and you sell products. There's a whole lot of places that you need to go other than the United States. And um, you, you may never even race the United States in, in, in World Supercross because there's tons of countries and, you know, there's easily 10 countries that would love to have this show. Um, and so I think, you know, that's kind of what they're counting on. And, that, and that's what I believe in because this isn't a quick pitch. We, we got a lot of stuff going on and this has been a big hurdle for us to, um, to get ready for, you know, a lot of the other, um, you know, a lot of the other teams, you know, you know, you know, Craig Dak and, you know, Mike Genova and, you know, these, you know, these guys, you know, they, they do this for a living and, and they're, they're structured, uh, and they can move some things around. Uh, it's been a while since we've gone full-time motorcycle racing. So we have, you know, a lot of abilities and, and shops and people, but we had to start from ground zero, right? We don't even have the toolboxes and, and the tractor and trailer we had when we super cross race last. So, you know, we started from ground zero. So it's been a major step up. And uh, Dave Analak is my 
my global manager for this whole project. And he, uh, when we were running Supercross back in the day, I partnered with him um, uh, on Arena Cross. And um, man, he, he uh, you know, through him, we were about an, an unbeatable. I mean, uh, us and Babbitts were the two premier deals. I think we won three years in a row with Gibson and uh, Josh Demuth. And um, uh, so, he, you know, he's, he's a lifer, been around forever. And he is, um, you know, he spent a lot of time out in California getting everybody tested here in the last couple of weeks. And we just got everything loaded up uh, because, um, you know, this is like container racing. You know, stuff doesn't come back. It's going to, you know, next year when stuff goes for 11 races, it's going to leave and you're going to stay late or come early and prep and you better have your stuff. So it's a whole different way of going about it. But, um, you know, we have some really good, uh, good people uh, on board. Uh, we have some really good marketing people, which I think we have something to bring to the table to, to do our part because all 10 of us have a responsibility. Um, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to, to be involved with this and, um, uh, you know, so we need to make sure we pull our weight, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just really excited, uh, about this unique opportunity. And it certainly is one. And also an opportunity that, uh, gives you the, uh, the ability to market with international brand, brands, global brands, even certain brands that you might be dealing with just specifically in us supercross, um, may be disappointed that they don't get as much exposure around the world because they do in fact sell their products around the world. Is that like having a series that goes around the, the globe, something that uh, allows you to, uh, like go down some avenues that you wouldn't be able to, if it was just racing in the States. Well, yeah, it's twofold for sure. Just racing in the States. And, uh, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to, to, to basically run in the premier division of all the four wheel sports in, in North America. And how we're leveraging that is that, you know, there's companies just using an example like Motul. Um, uh, we use that on our, our motorcycles. So Motul is a sponsor on, uh, on our on some of our car racing, um, you know, we run uh, the IMSA series, which is we run a, a GTD, you know, like the 24 hours of Daytona and stuff, and and it's one of the you know um, approved you know Honda Acura motor oils, but they also make motor oils for commercial stuff and for motorcycles, and and our plan is to do more of just that. So when I go and talk to a company, and then, and, and this is a selfish reason why I'm doing this because. Uh, this is a hard business to stay afloat in. But now when I go and talk to somebody, they have distribution worldwide. Uh, they sell products. Uh, they have different retailers. I can go to somebody and say, hey, for X amount of dollars or for product, you can be the official X of, of RWR. And that could cross over into either the NASCAR, the IMSA, the IndyCar, or Top Fuel, and or um, you know, the motorcycles. And so, um, you know, a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of even the things that are are, are car centric, like um, uh, Summit uh, Summit Racing, is really huge in hot rods, drag racing, um, uh, you know, you know, you know, you know, all things, you know, with four wheels. But they also have a whole section now that caters to off road vehicles, trucks. Uh, they have you know the ramps for for loading up your motorcycles and SUVs and, 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 and race jugs and winches and all these things and so you know there's a whole segment that really applies to motorcycles that a lot of people don't even know and they're one of our sponsors on the motors uh, on the car side and and we're we're going to leverage that and 
Um, I think for, you know, even my competitors, um, you know, that, that we're racing against, they're going to be able to do the same thing. Uh, you know, typically it's, you know, the, 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 the MotoGP, excuse me, you know, the, the, like the MX2 and uh, MX1, they race all over. But there's, there's a little bit different captive audience when you're either in a state that holds 30,000 or I think, um, uh, and I may be wrong, but, 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 but I'm pretty sure that Wells has, has the second largest retractable stadium in the world. And I think it holds 60 or 70,000 people. And I think it's already sold out. That's a captive audience. And so, you know, whether you're selling auto insurance or you're actually selling oil or, you know, maybe you're selling tires, um, that's important. And, and as that grows, it becomes a regular thing. Uh, look how strong it is. I mean, you, you, you probably remember, I remember when there used to be an Anaheim 1, and then there's an Anaheim 2. Yes, sir. There's an Anaheim 3 now, and you're still going to San Francisco. I mean, there's, there's a need and a want for that. And, um, uh, you know, Monster Truck shows the same thing. I mean, you know, they pack the, the stadiums. So this has a unique captive audience. And I think, I think what's going to happen is you're going to see more car manufacturers right get get involved that, that, that do pickups and and do vans and those kind of things um to go along you're going to see more insurance companies and of course the the um uh the industry people are going to uh grow as well because they're going to kind of need to be right so right now it's the new thing and you know who's it going to be who's going to be the first world champions or whatever but at the end of the day whoever it is you can't take that away from them. So when you get ready for 2023, I'm hoping and praying it's one of our guys, right? But whoever it is, you're going to have a leverage because that title is there. And, and the title used to be, um, you know, a, a world champion because we ran one race. I think it was at Vegas or something. And that's not to take away from any of the riders that were racing there because they're the, the best in the world, right? But, you know, to have a world championship moniker, you need to run more than one race, you know, even if it is in, you know, a, a country as big as America or, or, you know, Canada or something, you need to have multiple races and 10 to 11 races, I think is a really good number, especially with the amount of traveling. Um, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be better for all sports uh, on two wheels period, because it draws attention to motorcycles and the old adage, you know, rising tide raises all ships this is going to be better for all the manufacturers. It's going to be better for the people in the, in the U S um, motorcycle riders as a whole risks their lives, their bodies, their careers are shorter. They're underpaid. So just the fact that somebody has the opportunity to go run world supercross, that gives them a chance to leverage to maybe make more money in the state. If that's where they want to be. Or maybe, you know what? Maybe there is a more opportunity to, to do something in um, uh, globally. Uh, I like the fact that a rider that may make X can now leverage himself because there's a, there's a viable financial model. And the people that have put this together have done what motorsports, you know, meaning car motorsports has done. And even things like MotoGP, which is, you know, the two-wheel version of F1, people at least know what you have. Um, you can't grow for a guy racing for $750 to make the gate for one of the toughest sports in the world. That just doesn't make any sense. Right. So, um, I think that's changing now. And I know, 
um, you know, we're, we got some really good guys and we've had to pay some pretty good money to get these guys for even a short deal. And I'm hoping to, to grow and to keep, but, um, you know, maybe that's not great for me right this second, but it's great for those guys and it's great for everybody else. You know, it, it's, you know, great for, uh, uh Dustin pipes and, and ATP motorsports that, that, you know, he's going to end up with really good guys. And, and now his riders, if he's already got them signed up, it's good to be the owner because now he's going to get more value because maybe he's still going to run with him in, in, in Supercross in the U.S. and get this. So it's good for the owner because if he has to spend more money, um, he gets to amortize it and, and get a return because you have to be able to get, get that return. You can't just count on wealthy people doing it and then the fun goes away and then they just kind of disappear. Yeah, certainly, and that, that's not what we need to see happen with this series. Uh, like, for the health of uh, Supercross and Motocross globally, I think this needs to be successful and uh, and celebrated by uh, both fans, media, and uh, um, other promoters alike. I think the, the, there's more jobs uh, being created around the sport of Motocross, uh, more revenue being created towards it, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, my last question for you before I let you go here on the Big MX Radio podcast uh, brought to you by Fox Racing Canada, and I do really appreciate you making some time for us, is uh, what needs to happen uh, for um, after these two events for uh, for you to consider that to be a success for uh, Rick Ware Racing? And, uh, and, and where do you foresee Rick Ware Racing in World Supercross um, being successful in three years' time? <laughs> So I think in three years' time, for sure, it, it, it's going to be uh, – it'll, it'll be for sure past this infancy stage. I, I think, um, I think you know, the kind of the, the build that they will come scenario. I know when we were early on, people were like, is it even going to happen? Or, 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 you know, the manufacturers don't, don't want any of their riders from the states going over. Um, I think that the, the you know because there's two different budgets and a lot of the Supercross budget is really tied to America and really 90% of that's probably in Southern California. What's going to happen is that there's going to be budgets from other countries because somebody when somebody runs the ad and I'm just going to make up a name, it's Bob Smith riding a X is the World Supercross champion. Now maybe somebody else's faster or wasn't there or whatever, but you can't take away what the facts are. You want a gold medal in the Olympics. You want the gold medal, right? And so you're going to tout it and other manufacturers are going to go, well, you know, we sell bikes against those people. We're going to have to have somebody. What's, what's going to make this healthy is by the fact that there is franchises that are set when a manufacturer comes in, they're going to have to work with an existing person. And, and I can, I see that writing on the wall and maybe even more so than some of the other teams that, that would normally do this anyway, because they're in the motorcycle racing business. Right. And so, but what I see is if Honda decides, man, we don't have a choice. We can't have Kawasaki telling the whole world, they're world champions. We've got to come over. Well, they can't just grab a box van or an 18 wheeler and go show up and qualify in. They, they got to approach a team with an existing team. And so think about, you know, in, in an exaggerated sense, 
how tough it is for a guy like Andretti. Like he, he's got to spend a quarter billion dollar fee just to be considered to try to get into F1, and it probably isn't going to work. Now, that's the extreme, but what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it, it, there's going to be a smaller, a much smaller version of that that's going to make these more valuable for the, for the, the, the team owners themselves. So a lot of these team owners, they started because they're racing fanatics like we are, or they used to ride, and they're, they're dying to be able to make a living. Now they're going to have a plan to have something that's unique because there's 10 teams. Well, if Triumph comes in, which we know they're coming, if Beta comes in, you know, all of a sudden there's, in theory, more motorcycles than there are teams. So that means that, hey, that may be a value because now instead of me having to foot the bill for a rider all by myself, maybe part of the support I get is I get a rider and it comes along with some better suspension as opposed to having to foot the bill for everything. That's how this is going to grow that next level. It's not going to happen overnight, but, but to answer the question of for us as a success, um, you know, the series that we're in, in the, in the States, you know, NASCAR, et cetera. I mean, it, it, it it's hard to win to be a small team and and for us to have even top 10s or top 20s those are wins and and typically we're 25th to the you know high 20s um just because there's 40 teams that have 15 and 20 million dollar budgets it's tough so everything else that we do we need to be relevant and you know we're going for wins and other things this deal is is there has to be a business quotient to it but I'm here to go try to win a world championship, you know, just like just like Mike Genova is and and, and Craig Deck. These, you know, they're they're not putting them out this much work just so they can participate. It's great to be part of, but for us, we need to go try to win a world championship. RWR needs to add that to the portfolio of. Here's the thing: we offer five major events uh, on a platform. Now, the fact that we run a handful of car races out of the country helps. So let's say that's, you know, uh, you know, two or three, but you go add that to 11 for me to be able to say, we run these premier deals and we're in 13 or 14 countries. Um, that's what we need. And this is, this is a way to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, again, the, the one tough part about motorcycles is, you know, when we did our supercross, we put a lot of effort, we built our motors in house. We had four, uh, we built big fork dinos. We had regular shock dinos. We built some really trick stuff. At the end of the day, it's 75 or 80 percent rider, right? I mean, you, you got to have a bike that has decent suspension, and you got to have reliability. But you got to get riders, and and riders are, are tough. Um, they're they're tough to negotiate with because they have a small window of money, at a time to make money, and so they need to get the best deal. And like most of my, you know, we were signed up early and we were one of the last people to line up our rider lineup because everybody wanted a different bike or this guy can only have this gear and this guy has to have this gear and there's a conflict and, and it's a lot of work to, to, to make, to meld all of these things because it's so much different than in car racing and car racing typically, you know, a driver may have a sponsor or we have a sponsor and you hire for X and there's bonuses and you, you drive our car and this is what you got on motorcycles. It really revolves a, 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 around the rider. And so it's hard to have like team unity across the board, you know, like um, star and, 
Mitch Payton and those guys, you know, have been able to do it because they have, you know, whatever, you know, you know, it's Monster and Cows Hockey or it's, you know, it's somebody and you know, it, it's all. I I want to try to get to where it's all uniform because that's the way everything else I have done. It's not even close to that because it, it took. We, we've done so much in such a short period of time. We, we don't have some of the sponsor continuity like I would have liked, um, but hopefully. If we can win a championship, then we're going to get the year of potentially some manufacturers. Uh, other teams are going to be comfortable about coming to us. Uh, but we've already been sure that we have really good managers and really good mechanics. And, you know, I put our social media and our video stuff across the board with anybody. So, you know, uh, I hope to answer your question, you know, three years from now, this is going to be, um, you know, this is going to be a pretty strong grizzly bear. I mean, you know, um, you know, it, it, they've done a whole lot in a little, and obviously the season's almost over. But I'm glad they're getting a couple of these out of the way because I think there is going to be success, and I think we're all going to wish there was more. But but it gets us ready for next year, um, and it also gives time for for teams and riders in the U.S. to get ready for Anaheim one and be thinking about man, there's a whole other. Uh, world out there and with the money that's been put behind this and guaranteed for the first time riders can make really good money and not at the expense of just a rich guy going well i want that guy i'm willing to pay him because it's tough because it's happened to other rich guys where they go in they get an expensive guy and the guy gets hurt what do you do when you're an owner and you've spent a big chunk of your budget and nobody to ride your bike it's a problem and so this helps close this gap because it's just a, it's just an honest to goodness strong racing business model. Um, so uh, I'm really excited about it, and you know I'll be happier next year because I feel like we're a little more prepared. But um, I think some of the other, uh, well, most all of the other teams, you know, are running full time in outdoor and in Supercross or in. Uh, you know, it, you know, a world MX. So they have a little bit of a, well, more than, they, they had a good head start. So uh, I'm going to be thankful to be relevant and, and hopefully um, I don't have to eat too much dirt, <laughs> but uh, we're going to try really, really hard. You or the riders that are on the team, uh, I don't think I've seen an official release. Uh, I've seen some spy photos, perhaps, as well as uh, some some rumored guys. Are uh, are you taking this opportunity here on the Big MX Radio podcast to announce the team, or uh, are, are we still going to wait on the uh, on that release? <laughs> Absolutely, can share. Yeah, we we um, this past weekend at. Um... Uh, I'm sure there's probably some some NASCAR fans out there. We ran uh, this past weekend at Bristol, which is yes, always um, you know a, a wild show, and we did a whole World Supercross uh, scheme. But but we honored all ten of the um, uh, teams, so we did it in alphabetical order. And I think we were last because it wasn't about you know Rick Ware racing in WS. It, it, it's about you know what this is something really cool, and we did it in front of a hundred thousand people on. Uh, uh, you know, live TV, and it was it was more uh, to help make a statement of, hey, man, I believe in this. All the people that are signed up, uh, uh, we believe in it. Uh, and yes, I, I think um, I think we we were given the thumbs up. So I haven't had anybody say no, but but yeah, I'd be be happy to to share. We got um, uh, we got Ryan Brees, uh, which is going to be on our 450. Stud. Uh, we have Joey uh, Joey Savacci. Uh, uh, on the other 450, 
um, who should do really well. I think that it, and uh, those guys are getting along well. Our 250, we have uh, Shane McElrath, which um, he's preached out. And uh, we got Colt Nichols, who's uh, also very stout. Um, and it's it's taken a lot of work to get all these people. Um, you know, racers all have egos and they race against themselves. But so far, um, I'm really happy in that everybody seems to kind of get along. Um, and and we're, we're, we don't really have any prima donnas. Um, uh, you know, some riders may have a little bit more uh, a higher resume, but we're not treating anybody as A or A minus riders. They're, they're, I'm hoping they're going to be with us for a while and they're part of the RWR family and we're going to be cross promoting them, you know, with their other races uh, that were going on in other parts of the world or, or in the States anyway. Um, and they're all practicing together on, their, on uh, for the most part uh, on the practice bikes that they have. So that makes me feel good because at the end of the day, um, you know, I don't get to go to all the races anyway because we have several events that conflict and it's just the way it is. But, um, uh, you know, it's a business, yes, but, but I love racing. And I at least, I at least like to go places and have people be happy because, um, uh, you know, I, I'm a little envious in that, you know, these guys are getting paid to drive race cars and paid to ride motorcycles, which, you know, um, you know my car career was relatively – uh, shorter than I wanted to be, but um, I'm happy for them, and it, it's good that they have the opportunity to make some really respectable money and, and some good bonuses because uh, the series has really has really put that together. I mean, it, it, and so um, I think those guys uh, initially it was a little, it was a little tough to um, you know get everybody on board because there were a lot of questions about it. Uh, but you know we're you know this is this is history for motorcycles, right? You know if people don't follow motorcycles within their cars, they don't quite get it. I've always um, always been in and out of, of motorcycle racing, and and things have changed over time. You know back when uh, you know I used to go to the live in Texas in the Astrodome. You know Team Honda had a 125 team, two or three guys. They had a 250 team of two or three guys. They had a Supercross team of two or three guys. They had a 450 team and two or three and it's all it's all changed you know the cost of the riders you know kind of got more expensive the cost to go be competitive got to be more expensive and now there's two and three guys that have to do it all and that makes it tough if, if you got to be the flagship and go through 16 rounds of supercross and not get hurt and then go through 12 rounds of outdoor which is probably like seven dog years compared to supercross right <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's tough so um they're they're really giving uh, you know, they're really doing a service for racers everywhere. I mean, there, there's going to be some some guys that are going to get on the podium that, that they may have not had that chance in, in, in the U.S. And, you know, how many guys has finished fifth or sixth that maybe you don't hear about, but fifth or sixth in Supercross, man, that's an athlete. So now some of these, some of these guys that are going to be able to get bonuses, going to be able to be on a world stage, and I think that's just really cool. And, you know, it, it truly is. Um, I think three years from now, your question, I think it's going to be like, wow, who would have, who would have thunk it. Right. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's going to be pretty, it's going to be pretty cool. Absolutely. It will be, uh, get a little bit of an appetizer, if you will, of world supercross this year. And then the main course gets served up next year. 
Uh, Rick Ware, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Big MX Radio podcast, my friend. Thank you so much for the time, and I, I wish uh, not only your Supercross team, but also uh, the four-wheel racing uh, entity of things uh, all the best of luck in the coming year. And uh, like I said, uh, I appreciate the time. We'll definitely have you on, on again sometime to, uh, to pick through some of those stories. Well, you got myself. Just give me a text, a heads up. Be more than happy to keep you up to date on just what the heck's going on. And uh, just understand, first and foremost, man, I'm just a racing fan, and I uh, came from two wheels. And man, there's there's uh, there's just nothing like freaking 20 guys with a gate drop going into the first corner. It's just so cool. So I, I can't wait to get to Wales and and be part of history. There you go, sir. That's why they call it throttle therapy. You have yourself a great rest of your day. Do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there.